Hello and welcome to another episode of the Grunge Bible Podcast. My name is Ethan Shalloway. I'm here with Chris Salona. And we're excited because today we get to talk about the Stone Temple Pilots. Chris, what about before we Scott? get into it. What about Scott? Yeah, before uh, we get too deep into everything, obviously, um, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, I really don't have any complaints, nor is anything particularly exciting going on in my life. So I'm just going to toss it right back to you. How, uh, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been a good week just kind of training. I, I sprayed my ankle last week, so yeah. I'm dealing with that. But other than that, it's, it's no been good. pretty... Yeah, I got a little, some rain coming through, but overall, uh, energy is pretty good. March is here, so I think we're all we're both happy about that. That's true. So it seems like the year is, you know, we're we're getting, we're almost we're kickstarting. We're just getting rolling here, and I feel yeah, like we're, we're kind of we're coming out of hibernation. You know, we had as all they of, say, you know, big things are on deck. Big things <laughs> are coming. Exactly, and most importantly, um, <laughs> well, not, maybe not most importantly, but of particular importance to this space. Uh, March is the Grunge Bible Podcast's birthday month. Uh, we turned two this month. Uh, we started on March 21st, 2021, if my memory serves me correctly. So I'm really excited. Uh, this is episode 102, so we have uh, one more in between until the almighty 104 uh, mm-hmm. second birthday episode. But, you know, that that will come in time. But in the meantime, I am really excited for today. Um you know, as as time goes on and as we move through episodes, a, a lot of a lot of what we do, uh, if you've listened to us before, is um, kind of run to the rhythm of the calendar in terms of when album anniversaries are and when things happen or have happened in the past. Um, so sometimes there's not really a whole whole lot going on, and we have the opportunity and the ability to kind of pick and choose exactly what it is that we want to talk about. And today is a prime example of that. And uh, when Ethan, when you and I were kind of planning this week's episode, um, we realized it had been a little bit of time since we spoke about the Stone Temple Pilots. Um, everybody says that we forget about them and that we need to talk about them. So we're going to do that. Um, Way back in the day, in 2021, we did an album review of their first album, Core. And today, it's a privilege to be able to sit down. That was 2021 we talked about it. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And I I think, I don't know, don't quote me on that. I think it was September 21. Whatever, it's in the archives. It's When you do 102 podcasts, uh, you know, they start to blur together. But today... Their second album, uh, we get to talk about the Purple Album from 94, second album. Um, which is really, really exciting. Um, more on it, that later, the second yeah, album. More on, more on the fact that it's their second album later, but I like I like this album, and I'm really excited to, uh, to discuss it with you today and to share in that discussion with everyone who chooses to listen to this. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Some big hits uh, coming off this one, and a uh, pretty complete album altogether. Uh, so excited about that one. But before we get there, we have some house house uh housework. No, some house housekeeping. Housekeeping, housekeeping to take care of. Yes. And yeah, that we're is getting our affairs in order. And that is the simple question of who is funding this enterprise? Who right. do you represent, Chris? Who do yeah. we represent? We represent and the right people now, that fund us. Right now it's just the people. Yeah. Exactly. So we are totally supported by our fans in the form of Patreon and um, people donating two, five, or ten dollars each month is the only type of, you know, 
backing that we have right now. We are in the search. We're we're in the we're in the move on the move for some sponsors. Yeah, we got a little, little right R and D going on right now. A little business development behind the scenes. Hmm. Um, but if you are listening right now and um, you say uh, support other people on Patreon or are looking to maybe get in the game, I think it's a great opportunity to offer up two, five, or ten dollars um, to us. Uh, we got four episodes a month. We don't miss. So if you break it down, it's very small. The maximum you could think about it is two fifty an episode, which would be, you know, not that much. It's a small price so, to pay uh, for at least an hour of enjoyment each week. Yeah, and we're like I said, we're pretty consistent. I, I like to think that we're pretty good at it. Uh, we have a lot of fun. So um, consider that uh, while you're listening to this week's episode, uh, Chris. If you will, please uh, enlighten everybody on who exactly is funding this. It would be a privilege and an honor to do that. Um, at this time, uh, as is accordance with our tradition, I would like to read the names of the top-level Patreon supporters um, who choose to give us $10 a month and make this podcast roll the way that it rolls. So I would like to thank... <clears throat> Excuse me. You always I would like do to that. thank every. Yeah, it's tough. You get the yips every, and you're like it, it, every time, right before you start, you clear your throat. And say, well, I don't know when to clear my throat. I'd rather do it at the beginning in. than do it in the middle and and and, uh, and dishonor somebody's name by coughing. I, during I agree. That. <laughs> so, at this time, I would like to thank Christine Shepherd, Alex Long, Black Hole Sean, Alexis Shannon, the Blue Owl, Eddie Vedder got me through my second divorce. <laughs> Doug Andy, Kara K, Captain Hightop, Brother Nature, Faith Bittner, Fresh Tendonitis, Fuck Soup, Granny Grunge, Jade Mercado, <laughs> Chris LSMS, Carlene Salona, Jamie Lynn, Laura Irene, Marianne, Millie, Nikki Six, Rachel Corning, What the Fuck's Up Denny's, <laughs> Seattle 4 Fanboy from New Jersey, and Shoe the Shoeless. I don't know what's going on with me right now. It's tough. But here I am. Dude, it's and tough. And there they are. It's tough out there. You did, really you did a great tough. job. Yeah, yeah, I I did an There's okay no job. There. I didn't do a great job. <laughs> it's okay. We'll try again next week, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's the nice thing. These people they've been with us for a long time, so there's always going to be a next week. So, what do you say we uh, we get into the episode a little bit? But before we do that, I do have one more piece, um, one more additional piece of housekeeping. Um, so this episode is coming out on March the sixth. Uh, this is episode 102, and um, because it's March 6th, I do have to mention, on March 8th, um, Soundgarden's fourth studio album, Super Unknown, turns 29. Uh, it was released on March 8th, 1994, uh, to much commercial and critical acclaim. Um, it's, you know, speaks for itself, obviously. So, if you're wondering, you know, Grunge Bible Podcast, they always talk about, uh, you know, album anniversaries. They love doing that shit. That's pretty much all they do. Uh, yes, you're right. And we already did that. So if you're interested in commemorating the anniversary and the 29th birthday of Super Unknown, um, I would suggest that you go back to episode 51 of the Grunge Bible Podcast, where we did a song-by-song album review and discussion of Super Unknown. Um, it's important, it's topical, and it's a hell of an album. So... It'd be great if you like that album, you check that out and uh, see what we think about it and see if that aligns with what you think about it. That means next year it'll be the 30th anniversary and we were running this page when the 25th happened. So I have the first, you know, the, the 25 and the 30th that we'll be able to experience on the page. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. Crazy right, stuff. Not that, it, not that it means anything, but it is kind of, oh, we've been doing, we've been doing this for a little bit, Chris. 
We have. Doing We've been doing minute. it for a fair amount of time. Okay, so Purple. Second album, Purple. Stone Temple Pilots, came out June 7th, 1994, uh, right before, a few months before I was born. That's so, true. Pretty cool. Um, second studio album. Uh, overall reaction to this one is... Obviously, there's some really there, there's Big Empty on there, Vaseline, Interstate Love Song, some songs that we really appreciate. I think Big Empty is one of our favorites. And um, as I was listening to this prepping, I kind of realized once again how um, complete this band really is. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the lyrics always have awesome vocals. I feel like the baseline is always so prominent in yes. in their music. It's it's always behind you know the backbone of the band. Obviously, the guitar riffs and solos, they're, um, they're perfect. And then you get some good um, variety in the way that he does stuff. And like I said, the lyrics always stick out. He's like a poet. Um, and he just really, he, Scott does a really good job of, of writing and, and making these songs mean something. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very good album. Um, all the songs can do well on their own. I feel like they all stand alone really well. And then you put them together in an album and it flows pretty good. Um, sometimes when you listen to fully through, I can, you know, there may be some, some fatigue involved, but, uh, but if you take them in, in, um, by themselves, I feel like I get something out of them every time, even when I'm not really expecting it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny, um, the last couple of days, uh, Ethan, when you and I have been discussing, uh, this album, uh, and also this band, uh, I mirror and I, I feel the same way that you feel um, about this band and about this album. Um, there's something about the Stone Temple Pilots um, that every single time I do and I take an informed listen and I listen to you know a record of theirs front to back, like I for the bass guitar uh, that Robert DeLeo brings always always sticks out to me, as well as the drum the drumming from Eric Kretz. Um, I'm always I'm just continually impressed. Um, by the flavor that they were able to give these songs and just the way that they were able to write these songs and and something we were talking earlier today um, before we were recording this and you know it just kind of hits you again like these like these dudes could write these dudes could write songs and and put together some really really cool stuff and then it got me thinking about um, certainly at the time and I suppose post core pre purple. Um, if you hadn't listened to Core in its entirety and you had just heard Plush, for example, um, you know, Stone Temple Pilots got a got a slanderous rep for being ripoffs of Pearl Jam. And and the fact that, you know, we're here nearly, what is it, 28 years, 29, like 28 years after this album comes out, the fact that we're still here and there's still people that say that, um, they've obviously not listened to this band. They've obviously not spent five minutes skimming through the purple album because the diversity that they bring on this record and just the level and variety of challenging sounds that they bring. Um, and it's, and it's cool. Like I love when bands are not afraid to get a little weird and I love Mm -hmm. when bands are not afraid to break the mold, um, relative to what people know them as or expect them to be. And I think the stone temple pilots were really, really good about that. And, and I have to say, I think it starts first and foremost. I mean, you could write these songs, you could, you could, you know, you could record these instruments, you could play these songs, but you got to have a front man. You got to have a singer that is up for the oh, challenge yeah. of presenting that 
um, weirdness in presenting those challenging sounds and and putting it in a putting it together in such a way that it's not a gimmick. You know, it's not like hey, we just decided to make this this album that sounds nothing like what we used to do, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds real and it sounds for real. And I mean, Scott Weiland. I mean, I think I think around this time. 93, 94, 95. I mean, I think my opinion, he was at his pinnacle of his power, um, of his confidence on stage and of his ability to deliver songs that hit you and affected you across, you know, you can't even begin to name or, or, uh, you know, categorize the different genres or the different influences that he had that he presented to you. But I mean, they're all here on this record. And I gotta say, it's, it's my favorite Stone Temple Pilots album, uh, the purple album. Yeah, I agree with, uh, you know, talking about Scott, watching some some live video again, getting ready. And man, he uh, he was so unique on stage, so unique though in his delivery and his obviously his dance moves. People talk about it and he was just quite the character. And he, and he brought these uh, brought every song alive, like he made every song feel special and he you know, sung it to you know the best he could and it was always it was always beautiful so i always enjoy going back and and taking more time to listen to them and i'm not really sure why they're not like more heavy into my rotation um Mm -hmm. probably because i i think i mean they are super diverse but i think i i always like kind of mix really mixing it up and going around and right um so for some reason i don't spend like an incredible amount of time um with this band but this is yeah this album probably uh, right up there with core I don't know which one I like better but this one has some really good stuff so um yeah um so the album cover is really interesting um and I was looking at it and you know they don't have the title on it it's in China it's a Chinese character which is pretty cool and I I, re- I really like the art I think it has a I think it's pronounced a Keelan on it which is mm-hmm. a Chinese character for uh it's like the imminent arrival it's to represent the imminent arrival or the passing of a sage and an illustrious ruler and uh and a baby like is on, a, a baby is on top of it riding it and um uh, it's it's just a colorful it's a colorful album art and i was surprised it's not just all purple but um it's really cool and none of the none of the song track uh song listings were on the back it was just blank um and you know it was it was quite it's it's really cool like that's something i want to have on the wall or like it's a really good piece of art that um, I feel like they really we talked a lot about uh, core and how they packaged it and did a really good job and I think that um, you know Scott was very intentional in a lot of the stuff that he did in in getting the music out and I think he's always creative and it comes to um, comes to a head with uh, this album and the songs and all the lyrics that we're gonna get into um, mm-hmm. just very intentional with with the music and I think that's like really important as an artist and I can I can um, admire that a lot. Yeah, and and I think the band as a whole, in in the way that they packaged the album, in the way that they wrote the songs, the way they recorded the songs, and the way they performed them, um, I I see a lot of attention to detail, and and it is really cool. Um, and I think they they hit that sweet spot of doing things differently, but not doing things differently just for the sake of doing things differently. Um, and I always really really admire that when you know you're able to break the mold with without coming across as just wanting to be a contrarian um, because that's that's really hollow and shallow but um, yeah this album cover it's really great and I, I love on the back the fact that they you know there was no listing of the tracks instead just the phrase 12 gracious melodies which we may hear about later on in this episode mm-hmm. um, but just really really fantastic and 
everything is just so well put together um and it just makes sense um I don't know how to describe it, but there's there's something about the album artwork uh, in conjunction with the 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 songs on the album. It just kind of they're very complementary, and it, and it just um, they're they're in alignment with one another. So um, speaking of the album, um, you know, it came out in June of '94 on the on the seventh, and the bulk of the recording was done just in one month in March of 1994. So. Here we are celebrating the 29th anniversary of the recording, um, you know, with the exception of a, a couple of songs, Big Empty and Lounge Fly, that had a lot of work done previously. And Big Empty was the first um, the first song uh, that kind of made its uh, its debut in the world, having been recorded and performed rather um, at Unplugged in 1993, um, which is really, really cool. I mean, that's we'll get yeah. to it in a little bit, but I, I got to say it's probably my favorite Stone Tumble Pilots song. Um, it's just and to fantastic. have it debuted at like on Unplugged is is legendary. Like, yeah. It's so cool. Like I wonder, you know, how much they knew uh, they knew it was going to be a hit, and they wanted to showcase it there. Like that's mm-hmm. it's a really cool timing thing. So happy that that happened the way it did. Really, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, that's definitely a song that I think now, um, you know, Scott Weiland no longer being with us. I, I do think that's a song that a lot of Stone Temple Pilots fans like to listen to um, because it's a way that they can kind of um, remember and feel close to Scott. Um, I know I certainly do. That's that's the, remember the first one that I turned to when Scott passed away. Uh, you know, you put on Big Empty and, and you listen to it. But, um, you know, this this song, this uh, this this album, it's got, you know, it's got 11 tracks on here, um, including including a very vaunted hidden track. But uh, what do you say we get right into it? As they lead off, they lead they lead off their second album with Meat Plow. And Ethan, mm-hmm. what are what are your thoughts uh, about this song? All right, so I, I know I just praised the album a ton, but Meat Plow is not my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not my favorite, just because. Um, I just like some of the other songs uh, that they have a lot better. It it doesn't uh, sonically it's it's very the same throughout the song. But I know th- mm-hmm. I know that it has some um, some pretty good uh, support. Like people people like this one a ton. But this one is actually not one of my favorites. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to speak too low on it. But it just just kind of comes and goes. Like could have put yeah. it later in the album. Started with something else. Like I mean, started with number, track number two. Vaseline <laughs> yeah. would have been great. But yeah, whatever. I have to say, it's it's really hard um, to when listening to this album front to back and trying to present your thoughts on it. It's hard for me to um, to listen to to a song like Meat Plow just on its own merits and not compare it to what's about to come. You know, in the ensuing mm. songs on the album, because like you said, um, this one is is very very consistent throughout. Which um, there aren't many songs on this album that are consistent throughout. Out. And that's something I think the Stone Temple Pilots did so, so well is their songs have highs and lows and they have soft parts and they have really, really loud parts and and they nailed those transitions in between. Um, and I, I also kind of thought like um, I, I love kind of like the, the buzzing guitar on this song and, and I think that this is kind of... Um, reminiscent of a, of a lot of the sounds that they captured and, and shared with us uh, on core. Um, so I always, I always wonder when it comes to setting up an album and, and, you know, tracking all of these songs, if there's any intentional nature to that is, you know, when people are putting this thing into their cassette player, putting the CD in and the first song that they hear, it's like, okay, like this is, this sounds like the stone temple pilots because obviously later on in this album um, and it doesn't take very long, you get into some songs that really challenge the, um, perception of what a lot of people would have felt the stone temple pilots were at the time in 1994 having you know maybe picked up core in september of 92 
Yeah. Yeah, and then so song number two is Vaseline, and this is one of the bigger songs of the album. Uh, a lot of radio play, and and really like, I mean, just like opens. It's like a it's the sh- the one that they play to start the show. You know, it's the one that really mm-hmm. starts to go and get the kind of the drone in, and then the guitar comes in hard, and um, and then Scott comes. You know, Scott does his thing, and and this one is huge. Uh. Really good. I mean, we yeah, we talk about it a lot. Really good car jams. Like this is they're they're it sounds bad to say they're a radio band, but man, they fit like they fit the radio waves really well in my eyes. And this song is mm-hmm. a great example, obviously. Yeah, and and it's really interesting with, with a song like this that now looking back and also having been born after this era, this is as synonymous with the Stone Temple Pilots as just about any of their hits. Right. Um, but at the time, I mean, this does sound quite different. Um, it's it's got that kind of punchy beginning. Um, I mean, the chorus is just absolutely incredible, and and it's just really really complete. Um, and you know that the band was able to write this one um, and, and put it together. You know, you have the you have the wah wah pedal bass effect going on there, um, and the lyrics are also really really great too. And there's a there's a fun story um, about the um, the the line flies in the Vaseline. Um, mm-hmm. So Scott Weiland, evidently, when he was a lad, um, he had heard Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles, and he misheard the lyric, Life in the Fast Lane, as flies in the Vaseline. I don't know how that would happen, but that's that's just the way that it goes down Life when you're when you're SW. Flies in the Vaseline. <laughs> I'm trying to think about <laughs> so that. That's funny. Next, next time you hammer some Eagles, just try to, try to see it his way, maybe. Um, and, you know, this is a point in time here. You know, in 1994, when he's writing these songs, you know, he's, I, we were talking before once again, and we we're just talking about Scott's a poet and the way that he presents songs and where he drew these songs from. And in this song, he was, he was very explicit and forthcoming uh, when he was asked about it in ensuing years, um, that this song was just kind of about um, his struggle, you know, with addiction and, you know, being in the same situation over and over again and succumbing to those urges and those those faults that you feel, um, you know, and, and just getting stuck stuck here again. Yeah. So um, really, really, really great song, though. Um, and, and I think right here is where you start to see that kind of soft and loud uh, juxtaposed together uh, in a song, you know, with the verse and the chorus. You know, you've got your, your verse kind of being more subdued and the chorus really hits, the drums kick in. You know, Scott's voice gets louder. The guitars are more full before bringing it back down. Um, yep into the verse yeah and then of course you get in a nice couple bars of a, of a guitar solo to to shred shred in there which is really absolutely. good absolutely yeah, yeah this this album is definitely has like i mean scott it's very thoughtful and like self-aware of talking about like love sex marriage and death you know it's mm-hmm. like the main the big the big four or the you know the big stuff and in, in life and i feel like he really attack that and on all of his all of his lyrics and a little bit or all mm-hmm. of the all of his lyrics a little bit in each song at least yeah um, absolutely um moving on to song three lounge fly um this one's pretty cool this one's like really chaotic to me yes. it has this it's very chaotic and it has this like really deep drums in the background just playing and like it just it's such a build and it it would be really fun to see this one live on stage because i feel like you it would just be it would be quite the build and and really fun to go along with this is this is a good sleeper of a song yeah it it definitely is and and i have to say i really appreciate uh 
the back-to-back songs uh, right here with uh, references to flies. <laughs> uh, really, really important. You know, you have flies stuck in the Vaseline, and then then you have a song called Lounge Fly, which is really great. But um, yeah, this this one definitely is a little chaotic, and I think this is where like that new challenge to the listener starts to come in. And and I think this is this song is such a great statement that they're so much more than just a, a rock band and and they're so much more than, you know, the band that you hear on the radio that's playing plush. Um and once again I think with the the lyrics in this song are are really, really, really impressive and and i love the outro where it's just kind of over and over again she said she'd be my woman she said she'd be my man um and i think almost more so than than any of the other songwriters um from this era with maybe with the exception of kurt because his lyrics were really really eclectic i struggle to kind of interpret maybe what the message was in a lot of scott's writing um but this one you know with with the theme a lot of times just about struggling and, and Scott feeling like he was lacking. It almost feels like this one is kind of talking about like, you know, you need your significant other to be all things for you because you're struggling to, to, you know, to be it yourself. But yeah. um, lounge fly a really, really good one. And like I said, it's that it's kind of that, that um, beginning of the statement that you know, like, Hey, like as a band, we can do a lot of really, really different things here. Um, and we're excited to show you throughout the rest of this album. Um, moving on to song number four, Interstate Love Song. And a lot of everybody, everybody knows this one. This is uh, one of their largest radio played songs. Uh, for, for good reason. Uh, Chris, what are your initial, what were your initial, do you remember the first time you heard Interstate Love Song? Do you have any like first thoughts of this oh one my or goodness. something like that? I, I do remember uh, way back, I remember really being enamored with this was before I really knew anything about music. You know, you hear the intro and, and you hear like you hear the slide guitar. Well, me at the time, not knowing what a slide guitar was or, you know, how, <laughs> how you would make that sound. I'm like, holy shit, like that sounds really cool. And it's just kind of like, it's just this like really tired slide guitar yes. part at the beginning, which is really, really cool. Um, the whole song, and, he sounds tired. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and know, I think, like, I think like it a compliments, long trip tired. Yeah. And, and it complements the subject matter quite a lot, you know, and, and Scott kind of writing this one, um, you know, once again about his addiction and, and where the addiction would lead him to be dishonest and, and different things like that. But um, this one, this one's really, really great. I, I love Eric Kretz's drums on this. Um, I think the chorus is absolutely iconic. Um, you know, mm-hmm. leaving on a southern train only yesterday you lied. Um, it's it's so good. It's so singable. Um, it's so followable. And um, this is definitely um, right up there with Vaseline. You know, it's like these are songs that are synonymous with the Stone Temple Pilots. And I know yeah. um, people really, really, really love this song. Yeah, I think what made this song in- incredible was like how the verses stand out too. Like, the, like you said, the chorus is super singable, but these verses are like also so like poignant and like they just kind of jump out, jump off, and you hear like you hear the guitar and you hear the lyrics, and it's just mm-hmm. obviously memorable. I mean, it's yeah. really good. And it's cool, really like, well the, done. Yeah, and in those verses, like he hits those he hits those first words, and then you hear the you hear the little guitar riff in there. So it's yeah. like waiting, pause. You hear that crunchy guitar yeah. riff. You know the it's up timed and down out really and then, good. Exactly. Yeah, and the same thing verse two, like breathe in. You hit the guitar with the drums is the hardest thing to do. Um, and it just, it's just so, so well put together. Um, and once again, it's, it's just a showcase of that synergy, um, that they had seemingly from the beginning, um, as a band. And by the time 
by the time that they they reached their second album they were just kind of able to to really really get to the outer limits i think of what they what they felt that they could do and it certainly certainly paid off really really paid off also notably about Interstate Love Song, it is the only Stone Temple Pilots song that was covered by Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, uh, very notably, that one's been making the rounds the last couple of months on the social medias and the, the yes. TikToks of the world. And uh, Thank you, Kanye. I'm, I'm just glad. I mean, I got to tell you, Darius Rucker, he kills that part. <laughs> he, kills, he kills Interstate Dude. Love Song. It's so good. <clears throat> Just the other day, I, I fell asleep on the couch at night watching mm-hmm. something, and I woke up in a haze to Darius Rucker on the screen. <laughs> oh my god! To me. It's like your sleep paralysis <laughs> demon. <laughs> I woke up I was like, not Darius Rucker, not again, <laughs> not again. <laughs> Here we are again. Oh like, my oh, goodness! Shit. Yeah, that's that's very traumatic. Uh, I I'm, I apologize that 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 oh, it's okay. that that happened to you. Um, yeah. This next song, song number five on the on the list, is uh, "Still Remains," and this song is a beautiful song. I think this is. I, I don't know. I I see you right now. I think you're. You think the same as me. Uh, this one is really uh, quite good. Maybe underrated. Um, it has this. You know, it, it has like a, it sounds like something like maybe the like Dave Grohl would write and the Foo Fighters had the way that they kind of play through it and it has this beautiful melody throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love, I just love the lyric. If you should die before me, ask if you can bring a friend. Yeah. And that one hurt. That that's just like is such a such a deep lyric to think about. To that if somebody, you know, if you were to lose that person that means the most to you, then you're ready to like follow them and mm-hmm. kind of. Um, what are your thoughts off the bat? Yeah, I I love this song. Um, I very vividly remember this one. This was this one when when Scott Weiland passed away. Um, you know, you, you go through their discography and you try to, I think people, we have this weird habit of gravitating. If somebody dies, you gravitate towards the songs that they wrote, the songs that they sang that discuss death. Um, and I very vividly remember looking at, looking back at this one and getting really emotional listening to it. Um, and it's still, it's, it's that, it's that song for me. Um, I, I love this one. I love the the guitar just sounds so big. It's kind of like drones at the beginning and, and, and certainly at the end. I love how it kind of fades out, um, you know, when he hits that last pick a flower, hold your breath and drift away line at the end. Um, yeah, mm. this this one is so good. It's just kind of like a big, big anthem, um, which is it's interesting because the subject matter, like you said, is so um, like that, like agape love. Like, you know, if you die, like I, I need to come with you because like, I don't know what I would do without you. Um and, you know, I wrote again, I wrote again in my notes in all caps, Kretz again. And, you know, you got Eric Kretz yeah. here just just hammering away on the skins, which is really, really impressive. And and I, I there's this theme for some reason, Ethan. Um, every time we do this exercise, I feel like I always just keep talking about the drummer. Um, like, holy shit, the drummer. But like, there's a reason for it. Uh, I think you got to have somebody like Eric Kretz. Um, certainly the, you know, the stone temple pilots needed somebody like him and, and they had him uh, and they, they still have him. But, um, I do have to mention, um, I love, this might be my favorite Scott Weiland lyric of all time. Uh, drink yeah. the wine and save the water. Save the water. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that one. I love that one a lot. And this is a, this is, a really, really great is. song. Yeah. I would, if you're listening to this and you need to, you need to go back and listen to the album, I'd recommend this song. Uh, for sure, to start it off, kick it off, yeah. get you in the mm-hmm. get you in the zone. 
Yeah. Other than, you know, they're the big ones, but if you want something a little, a little different. Um, mm-hmm. Or you could go to Pretty Penny, which is the next song. And the I love this song. song. You've yeah, always I, been I really this, high on Pretty Penny. Yeah. I, I just, I like the stripped down side of it. Obviously, mm-hmm. just the vocals and kind of like the, the, it's a little off tune in a way in the way they kind of play things, like the way it's tuned, I guess. And, um, and it's just, it's just, really good and and scott has um in an interview in 94 i'm gonna i'm gonna read his his quote about it it's it's, yeah it's a little bit but he says we were in our rehearsal room and robert and dean were playing acoustic guitar with each other playing this line and eric grabbed a couple microphones and started tapping in some kind of rhythmic pattern it was coming through the monitor and there was a single indian drum made out of stretched leather and we just started a little interplay between us we recorded onto cassette tape I took it home. The melody came into my head for the verse, and it became a song. It's a special song. Personally, one of those songs you write because of some form of defense mechanism that's subconscious. I wrote it in third person, and I only realized a couple weeks ago when I finally listened to the whole album that was actually an introspective thing. It's easier to write in an allegorical sense third person when it's something you have a hard time looking at. It's probably one of my favorite songs on the album, and I think people are going to love it or hate it. And it's just yeah. so good. It's just like one of those things where, yeah, you're writing these things about tough subjects and you kind of enter the third person because you know that it's about you deep down and, and it's, it's, it's maybe hard to kind of get out. And this song was actually performed. Uh, Chester Bennington played this, I believe it was in 2013, and uh, heartbreaking parallel of him playing it and... Like could you could say he was singing about Scott you know, foreshadowing, and then obviously he passed away, and and just like an incredible version of him playing and singing, and it was beautiful. And like I said, it's just one of those stripped down songs that uh, you can get, you can allow you to rush over you. So, and I just love hearing him talk about it in that way, where it's like kind of like a a soundboard to what his life and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting and complete look into this song that is kind of, it sounds kind of off time, like you said, and, and I wrote down that it kind of sounds like a trance type song. Um, and, and I love I love the lyrics in this one. Um, you know, have you lost your sister girl? She's all but blown away. Blown away and lost the pearl and the price she paid. Um, you know, gone when you find that there's no one sleeping. And it's kind of like, the vocals are kind of descending throughout the chorus and that, that guitar part in the background is kind of ascending at the same time. Uh, and mm-hmm. so like they're directly at odds with one another, which is really, really interesting. Um, and, and I think really challenging. And, and they, they played this one. Um, I forget which show it might've been like a VMA show around this time. Um, but I just love, you know, the, the, the latitude of the landscape that the stone temple pilots could go to this award show and play, a pretty eclectic song um mm-hmm. and and present it to everybody but yeah this one is um this is a really really interesting one for sure yeah and it's a and like it's a good old-fashioned interlude from the first half of the album to the second mm-hmm. half because yeah you know after that you kind of jump back into the the uh super so the stone temple pilots I'm sorry world. silver yeah. gun superman and yeah uh, silver gun kind of sinister sinister type of sounding um yeah, yeah. it's just it's a it's a good one 
Mm-hmm. And and this one, um, once again, um, you know, so you have Pretty Penny where Scott was maybe writing about himself and he didn't even know he was writing about himself. Uh, you know, I think this one, uh, Silver Gun Superman, is kind of a more conscious understanding that he was writing about things that he was struggling with um, pretty explicitly here about writing about heroin and struggling with addiction uh, yeah. with the connection that, you know, Silver Gun has been used to refer to a, uh, you know, a heroin-loaded syringe. Um and yeah, this one, it's kind of got that um, that weird guitar that kind of sounds like it's coming through like a talk box at the beginning, um, which I really, really, really like. Um, and, you know, the chorus is kind of floating and the, and the verse is like way down dark and dirty. Um, Dean DeLeo, his solo in this in this song is, is, is really, really impressive. And I also have to say there's a theme here that we, we haven't quite spoken about with some of these other songs earlier, but... Um, this band, they always killed their bridges in the song. Uh, and this song's got a really, really great bridge. Um, you know, I, and I think back to Vaseline too, it's got an incredible bridge to this, uh, you know, to the song there. Um, and this one, this one as well, it's, it's got one for sure. So what do you, what do you think about this song? Yeah. Um, I wrote down that this is the one I wrote down where I feel like the bass was really, really came through in, in a good way. Um, this one's again, it's really heavy, but it also kind of mellows out and it's very melodic through the verse or the, through, the, through the chorus in, in like a beautiful mm-hmm. way. So, um, it kind of has, uh, it got a little bit of everything in it. And this one, this one's good. I need to listen to this one a little bit more. Um, it's not one of the ones that I went to. So, um, I'm excited to kind of go back and, and yeah, get into it a little bit more, but yeah, yeah. This one won't disappoint you. This, this one's really, really good. And I think they, they hit their stride so well on the chorus and just kind of how it's like above the rest of the song, as I was talking about yeah. earlier. Um, I think it's a really, really great kind of uh, beginning to the, uh, you know, the back half of this record. And as we move Very on, heavy, uh, yeah. yeah, as we move on to the eighth song, which we started to get into it a little bit earlier before, <laughs> before we even started the review, uh, Big Empty, which, uh, you know, made its debut as we said it unplugged in 1993. Um, my God, I absolutely love and adore this song. Um, I also really, really appreciate the fact that it's one of the few songs that I can, in fact, play from front to back on the guitar. <laughs> uh, if I can do it, <laughs> anybody out there who's listening who has a pulse and two hands, you can also do it. Um, yeah, this this one's great. I, I just love Conversations Kill. Um, you Conversations know. Kill, yeah. We, we used to talk about that a lot and send that to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, conscious laden. This one's just um, obviously like an incredible blues influenced beginning and kind of whole thing. Uh, I think you know that's something that separates them from the rest of the the music from this time is the blues influence and how they would bring that style into their into all like a, a lot of their songs. They would they would bring it in and they would let. I don't know if it was just because they you know just. They wanted to, you know, it was kind of fun, or if they if they really, uh, I don't know, maybe wanted to do more blues stuff in totality or something. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And, this and one's this a beautiful. One, this one's really good. Yeah, obviously. it was in, included on the the soundtrack for the movie The Crow um, yeah. as well, and and had a lot of success being a part of that soundtrack. It was also the first single um, to this um, to this album. But I have to say, um, you know, this this song. I think is is the perfect encapsulation of the poet that Scott Weiland was. Um, I always go back to the um, the second verse uh, of this song, 
Too much walking, shoes worn thin. Too much tripping and my soul's worn thin. Time to catch a ride, it leaves today. Her name is what it means. Too much walking, shoes worn thin. Um, and this one kind of goes back to that 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 sentiment that I think you start to gather with interstate love song of just being tired and, and, you know, you're feeling the wear and tear of the things that you've been struggling with and, and, you know, those dark, those dark habits that you may have. And and I think this one is kind of uh, showcasing that more and more. And I think it's, that sentiment is louder here as we're getting deeper into the record. And, and I think it comes across more. And, and certainly with this song, um, once again, the bridge is really, really great. Everything kind of slows down and it's like hushing but you're struggling to keep it under wraps and then it just it builds up again and you go right in back into that extended chorus the outro there uh you know where it just repeats over and over again and he puts a little bit of a flare um you know on on that yeah. that second time to take her home um it's just a really 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 great effort and um like i said i think for me it's that one song that i go to when i want to want to kind of think about scott yeah um having it be the eighth song on the album too and like you said kind of second half of the album it's like going through the whole album and then yeah kind of get to the point where uh, i like what you said about the shoes worn thin and all that that's a great um mm -hmm. great symbolism um and you can even use it for the album so like i said to the end of it you're kind of getting you know everything's settling in and stuff mm -hmm. feeling the absolutely the height of the album or the height of the uh subject matter that is Right. So yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. So we've got a, a few songs left here. So after Big Empty, we move into Unglued, um, which to start this, this is just kind of a, a return, I think, almost to the meat plows of the world and, and the core kind of sentiment. Like I just this is kind of like your driving rock song. And this chorus here, you know, it's really fast paced. Yeah, I got this thing. It's coming over me over and over and over again. Dare I say this kind of sounds uh like a like a Nirvana chorus, like it sounds a little Nirvana-y to me, like a, almost like a Bleach yeah. era Cobain song, um, which yeah. is really interesting. I thought you were gonna say Mud Honey for a second, actually. I, that too, because yeah, Bleach era, Bleach Bleach era Nirvana and Cobain was basically like a super fuzz Big Muff tribute. So um, yeah, I think uh, there there is a little bit going on there. Um, what do you, what do you think about this song? If I recall, it's not one of your absolute favorites. Yeah, that although what you just said kind of revitalized it a little bit for me. That that is <laughs> such a good way. To, yeah, you brought me back. <laughs> Put the word um, out that we're back up. This, yeah, the same thing of what I just said. After you know, kind of listening, like so, if you listen to this front to back, and you have still remains pretty penny, um, and then uh, big empty, um, right. as well as silver gun Superman. But those three songs, and then um, this one just, I, I think, like I said, when I get to it at in the in the course of the album. Um, I just it just it, it just doesn't do it for me usually. It has a really nice guitar solo and that redeems a lot of it. But um, mm -hmm. maybe if it was maybe if it took the spot for Meat Plow and it was the first song and Meat Plow was here, I would I would have a little bit more appreciation for this one. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not it's, you know it's just not my favorite. But it is still like I said still well done and I think that it's just one of their rock their rock and roll songs like they just rock. Um, yeah. and I can always appreciate that. Like this would be right. probably if I learned to play this and played this with a couple, you know, if we jammed this, it would be, yeah. I'd love it. You know, be it'd cool. be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And it is cool. And once again, with that fascination that I have as to how bands choose to track their albums, it's like, you've had a lot of songs that are kind of experimental, uh, you know, throughout the middle of the order of this, uh, of, of this album lineup. And then, you know, you kind of reach the back end. It's like, all right, guys, like we got to remind people that, 
you know, we're still the band that made core. We're still still the band that can that can bring it and bring it hard, um, which they did, and and they do uh, they do again on the next song, uh, which for me uh, has been skyrocketing up the ranks. Uh, I gotta tell you, Ethan, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Army Ants. Um, I yeah. love the I love the really it's like this weird shimmering bright but almost kind of watery guitar intro and then it just goes right into this really really fast tempo song um and once again it's got it's got a lyric that just really really sticks out to me um i got a heart i got blood i feel pain um which once again struggling to interpret i think a lot of maybe what scott was saying throughout this record but i mean he just spent an entire album talking about his flaws and his struggles and I think a lot of times as people, we have the tendency to reduce people to the things that they struggle with. And this one's kind of like a a reminder of like, you know, we all have these flaws and problems, but we're still human and we still have our vitality, Um, you know, and we still have to fight and be fought for. And and you got to hold on to that. You know, you have to hold on to the fact that you have a heart and blood and that you feel pain, you know, because you're still Mm -hmm. kicking. So I I thought that was an interesting um, kind of change, um, change in subject and, and change in message. Or at least, you know, that's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah, the intro, um, it reminds me of a Pearl Pearl Jam in, uh, song for sure. And then yeah. and the way they jam too, this song um, has an incredible finish. It's really big and they just kind of mm-hmm. like really let loose and, and have some fun. So, yeah. Um, and I know, yeah, people say they sound like Pearl Jam. This I can see like the the crets, the drummer, the drumming on this song is big too, and and it does yeah. it reminds me of some dude. Crets is a powerhouse, dude. He is. He's a powerhouse back there. He's an absolute um, powerhouse. Yeah, this was a this was a really good jam. This is a fun one. Um, yeah. All right, like taking us to let's take it. Let's take her home right now. Yeah, take her home. Yeah, to. Uh, just an incredible. Where do we start with this one, Chris? With, with, with <laughs> the with, lore uh, behind this kitchen, one, <laughs> kitchenware and candy bars slash my second album. Well, let's let's separate them for the purpose of this discussion, and, and we'll get into the kitchenware and candy bar zone to begin with. And this is kind of like, for me, this is like uh, like 1994's version of Atlanta. Uh, you know, that came later mm-hmm. in the decade. This is kind nice. of them showing that uh, that side of them. It's this this kind of like big ballad and it's this it's really cool too because at this time like you know there's so much attention you know in 92 93 94 of like these big hard songs that are rockers and it's like yeah. Scott Scott had a beautiful voice and and the chorus in this song where it's sell me down it's the really river cool, yeah. what I wanted is what I wanted what I wanted is what she wanted um it's so beautiful i mean he was such a talented singer um and it really, really shines here just as much as it does on like the the heavy rocker. Um, and it's just cool that you know they're able to put something like this on the album. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like with this some song. of the strings. That, I think there's strings yeah. in the chorus too, and mm-hmm. which is yeah, which is it is really cool. And like you said, it definitely he has a beautiful voice, and it it comes out in songs like this where kind of soars you know this the voice soars over the over the a perfect laid track behind it so Mm -hmm. yeah and there's just kind of like a little bit of like kind of exhausted desperation almost a little bit in this song you know somebody showed me i was the last to know uh you know you read the words and it sells you life they sell their words but it's all a lie you know these are some, some really really heavy things that you can extrapolate here um and yeah this is one and I have to say, like, I'm I'm upset with myself that 
you know, I, I have had the tendency with, with STP to kind of cherry pick some of my favorites, some of my known favorites. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, you know, you miss out on stuff like this, you know, because you, you're reading the titles and you're like, what the hell could a song called Kitchenware Candy Bars be about? Like, I, I'm probably not going to like that. And the next thing you know, you, you give it a chance and, and you're really, really wowed by this performance. You know, this song is just a, a great performance, I would say. There's some really uh, unique song titles on this album. Like, oh, yeah. you got Meat Plow, Vaseline, Silver Gun Superman, Army, Army Ants, <laughs> Kitchenware and Candy Bars. They're like crazy, crazy. I love it. They're, they're always have coming up with good titles. I think that's the favorite. That's like the best part about writing songs, right? What are you going to call it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I absolutely But the best agree. part about... Writing an album, the magnum opus of purple, is is the hidden gems, is the stuff that you don't that you don't see at first glance that you need to hang around for, Mm -hmm. and that's what we get here at the end of the record is a little little Easter egg of a song. Yeah, we get a tasty little treat here, don't we? My second album, (laughs) my my second album, which is the hidden track uh, at the tail end. Of the eleventh song, Kitchenware and Candy Bars, the you get the classic like thirty to forty five seconds of dead air, and then they just I say they because I don't know who they they bring it to you um, with with my <laughs> second album, which is a return you know, on the back <laughs> on the back of the packaging. It did say twelve gracious melodies, and this song is just absolutely it's hysterical. It's fucking awesome. It's this really really cheesy like swingy lounge song uh, mm-hmm. performed by a gentleman named richard peterson uh big dick peterson <laughs> comes to us here and i just love i love the sense of humor that the band had to include this because obviously i mean you've got decades of of, of history of recorded music by this point by 94 and it was it was not uncommon for hidden tracks to be kind of thrown in there after the last song on the album, you got the dead space thing. You got a song that like does not even make any sense for the album. And it's like this, like this is really strange. Um, And this was kind of like a parody of the fact that bands were putting very, very unorthodox hidden tracks at the tail end of their album. So, you know, you get, you get Scott, Dean, Robert, Eric and the gang. And they're like, you know what? We're going to do the same damn thing. And like I said, (laughs) they unfurled the big dick. Uh, (laughs) Dick Peterson to to just bring this one home. I love this song. I love this song, Chris. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. It's so it's so groovy and it has obviously beautiful vocals and and piano and like this one's like one of my favorite it's just one of my favorite parts of the album. I I love it. I, I cannot it's it's the new red bar, dude. It's 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 our second album. It really is like, th- and, and the lyrics are just—they're so literal and stupid. <laughs> which is just, I, I can't wait so, for you to hear these, <laughs> dude. It's so good. Like the second album, Twelve Gracious Melodies," worth listening. Hope you enjoy them. Like if it's sung to me, <laughs> listen to twelve great tunes playing on your stereo. <laughs> like <laughs> so good, just incredible. <laughs> hey, like at least they're honest at the end. Like. We're hoping that this record sells. Singing by your wishing well. That's on my album too, the second album. But I mean, I have to tell you, like, I'm I'm a little upset that that there was no um, there were no sorts of awards uh, given out to uh, Mr. Peterson here. 
He deserved every one of them. Yeah, I mean, they just they they, they whipped him out and they just they put him out there and I need to see, I it. need to look up some of his other some of his other music. <laughs> yeah, I need to. Let me see what this guy's what else this Dick guy's Peterson got. Zone, yeah, and see see what he has. I I could see myself getting really really into it's it. It's such but. a it's such a STP thing to have. It's this perfect. Yeah, it's end. absolutely yeah, perfect. Like, like if Pearl Jam did it, or somebody it would be weird. If right. Alice and Chains, which like, Pearl you know, Jam, they've been known to do do hidden tracks and things weird, like that. Yeah. But like, it's just it's so funny but this that style like, like makes yeah. sense so much. Yeah, exactly. And it's like once again they're right on that line, like of of doing things differently, but they do it in such a way that it's genuine. It's, it's original. It's genuine, and in this case, it's just downright hysterical. So it works. Yeah. Like this was. The attempt at being humorous and the actual, uh, um, you know, carrying of that out are two different things. And I mean, my God, <laughs> my second album, I'm I'm floored. I I wish. I mean, I'm 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 just speculating here. I'm assuming that there's no, uh, there aren't any live performances of this that we'll be able to post <laughs> on the page. But um, if if there if there do happen to be any, uh, you all will be the first to know because we will post the. That might be the new wood. Holy shit, dude! I I hope that there is, man. That would be amazing. <laughs> or maybe a, uh, maybe Dick Big Dick Peterson will have played it on his own for something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, one one can only hope. Um, so I mean, that's that's really all I could hope for. That wraps up Purple, uh, Stone Temple Pilots' second album. Um, no better way to finish it than with my second album. So. Totally. Um, if you're still listening right now, thank you very much for tuning in and coming to the completion of the episode. That means a lot to us. Um, thank you to our producer, Drew McFadden. Uh, he worked hard on these episodes, and uh, we appreciate him for that because without him, totally do. we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be uh, doing this. We wouldn't sound as good. I know that. Maybe we'd still yeah. put out some raw audio for everybody. It but... would not sound particularly good, though. I mean, it wouldn't sound as good as my second album. No, yeah. We know that, yeah. We Dude, don't this, sound uh, as good as that anyway. This has been a, this has been a good episode. I'm glad we, we were able to do that and uh, you yeah. know give the Stone Temple Pilots their due and, and hopefully – adequately feed everybody that's always at our throats about not talking about the stone double pilots not talking about scott well here you go you get you get about an hour uninterrupted on scott and on stone double pilots and um i survived a couple of bouts of the giggles to uh to bring it home uh but i mean that's just that's just the kind of thing that happens when you know you're being serenaded by dick peterson so <laughs> i mean if you if you can't relate uh put, try to put yourself try in my it. shoes and see it once my way and then try it on you know have it have it my way <laughs> that's great. awesome yes yeah. all right so that concludes chris uh we have one last thing to take care of though we do have Songs one last of the thing week. to take care of yeah um this, this i will part of the episode where we do we give you something to listen to other than a full album that we just talked about exactly <laughs> other than a full album uh we'll just um my decision uh we're we're just gonna with with my song of the week we'll microdose the album just just a little bit um we're gonna go with still remains i think that really has to yeah. be on the list um apologies I Ethan, if, I, well. if i poached if i poached your song of the week um but, it's all good. Yeah, it's, it's got to be mine on there. Be my, mine will be my second album. Then. There you go. So <laughs> if, this is perfect. Yep. Yes. That's pretty much all you need. I mean, you have both sides of the coin right there. So, yeah, it's great. Yep. Yep. For this week, we'll put. I'll put on. I guess I'll have to put on. Um, 
kitchenware yeah, and candy bars. I guess bars. kitchenware and candy bars has to be there because they're <laughs> yeah, not I separate guess. on streaming services. So you'll have to suffer um, through four, four or five minutes of kitchenware and candy bars before you can get to the main event. The big, the big so. punch of Dick <laughs> Peterson. The big, the big. Uh, <laughs> He'll uh, be man. it to you. Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. Great. So those are our two songs. Thanks again. Uh, please consider supporting. Keep listening. Keep following. Keep sharing. And we'll keep doing this. Then uh, big things coming. As uh, Drew is uh, laughing at us yeah. right now because we we we've been saying that, and he's like, "What's going on, guys? Is there yeah. something I don't know?" Which I think is so funny. Yeah. He'll he'll know when he needs to know. He'll know. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody will. So once again, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, meandering journey through Stone Temple Pilots and their second album, Purple. Uh, really, really great album. Uh, so go ahead, uh, show us some support, and uh, listen to Purple while you're doing it. And uh, tell a friend, tell a neighbor. It's um, pretty much all you got to do. And we will be right back here same time next week for episode 103, closing in on the second birthday of the Grunge Bible podcast. Ethan, a pleasure as always. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Rock, Rock and roll, roll everybody. Rock and roll, everybody.